This is going to be interesting. Let's just buckle our seat belts and um, stay in. But I am going to go through some real really important foundational truths that I do want you to know and then get to some things that I do want to talk to you about. And it all is about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that really, um, as I read through the lesson, was just struck by empowerment. And when I went to the Internet, I found all kinds of people are looking for empowerment. Everybody wants some of it. Whether it is um, women, whether it is, and I'm just going to have you scroll through some of the images because I have several images of empowerment that I found, visual images of empowerment um, here. And people are looking for it. Um, There's a couple of hands here clasped. Who knows what the thing is? Um, I found that there's green empowerment, green peace empowerment. There is, um, of course, women's empowerment. There's employee empowerment. There is, it doesn't matter who you are, you are looking to be empowered. And what I love is that the, you know, the scripture, the Bible defines power very differently than the world defines it. As a matter of fact, it says that when we are weak, then he is strong. Again, it's that counterintuitive thing that I've talked about before that is such a pivotal part of God's power. And that's what we're going to look at today. The Bible teaches that we receive, when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive power. I love Ephesians chapter 1. And in it, he pray, Paul begins a prayer and he prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know um, the truth to which we have been called. And then he goes on and he talks about riches of our inheritance and he says that I want you to know the immeasurable greatness of his power in you who believe according to the work of his great might. So today we are, I know you're shocked, going to look very quickly before I get to the other part at three aspects of empowerment. Um, What the Spirit does. And I think there are three things. I first want to define what that power is. I want to look at power refined and then I want to look at power aligned in your body. I think that's really what we're going to look at. So for just a moment, I want you to imagine, close your eyes, and I want you to picture that you are sitting in the upper room waiting for the gift that Jesus has described. Now you knew Jesus. You walked with him. You talked with him. And he had just ascended to heaven. You saw it with your very own eyes. And now the people that you'd become closest to in this world, people that you considered your family, you are huddled together in fear, waiting in a room, locked in. And you're waiting for something. You're not really sure what it is, or in this case, who it is. But you are there waiting because Jesus said, wait there until this gift comes for you. And so suddenly a sound fills the whole house And tongues like fire come to rest on every person that's sitting in that room. And just like scripture says in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. So who is the Spirit? Well, I want to look at four things. Number one, he's a person. I think that seems silly to say, but many people refer to him as a thing or as an it. As if he was something we could harness or get control of or we could use him in our own way. Um, And this might seem like no big deal, but it is serious stuff. The fact of the matter is we come into a relationship with him, just like you would with a family member, your husband. You come into relationship at the moment of your salvation. This is key. This is pivotal. You need to know this. Look at Ephesians 1.13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed it, 
So you heard, you believed it, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And again, this is a point many believers are confused upon. They, they think we, they need a second filling, okay? Well, that thing of filling up intimates that you are empty. You're not empty. You have everything you need in Christ Jesus. If you're sitting in here and you know him as Lord, you've got all you need. You don't need to be filled up. It's not, I love in the lesson how it said, it's not a matter of you needing more of him. It's him needing all of you. He's there. The issue is not that you need more of him. The issue is you need to let him have all of you. So then the second thing I think about him is he's self-existent. And what does that mean? Nothing more than he is. Not he was or he will be. He is. He has always been there. There's never a time when he wasn't there. And that's the whole problem with origin because origin begs the question that there's a beginning and an end. And you see with the Trinity, there's, there's no such thing. There was no beginning. There's no end. Um, and I love how we can actually look to creation in the book of Genesis and see he was there. He was an agent of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the earth, the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. Isn't that beautiful? And then we need to know that he's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscious. Whoa, I can hardly even say those things. Um, he is, those are some big old theological words, and basically, let's just boil it down. What that means is he is all-powerful, present everywhere. Look at Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence? Where, where can I flee from your spirit? I mean, he is everywhere. In, in that Psalm 139, it says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I go to Sheol, you are there. If I you know, go in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will guide me. You can't get away from him. We've talked about that before, so he's everywhere. I don't really understand all of this because I'm finite and he's not. But what I do know is that even if I don't understand it, I should let that truth lead me to praise him for who he is. And then the last thing I think is we need to understand he's eternal and he's holy. And you read about this in your, in your lesson. He's not just some flighty, whimsical spirit that um, comes and goes like the wind. And that's kind of that old, old church image of the Holy Ghost. Well, I mean, he sounds like a like a the spirit thing, and it is a spirit thing, but but it's not that kind of a spirit thing. And so, you know, it's just that's not what he is. He is an eternal being. He has no physical limitations. He has no weaknesses, and he's not bound by time or space. John fourteen sixteen. I ask the Father, and He will give you a counselor to be with you forever, forever. And because he's holy and dwells in us, if you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, as your savior, then your body is a sanctuary for him. Now, some of us don't like our body. Matter of fact, we think it's the agent of sin. I mean, it's the reason. It's, it's the sin thing. I mean, we just think that. And we're all hung up about our body. But instead, we should get the view that the spirit of God precisely has chosen your body to dwell in. Think about that for a minute, would you? I mean, just pause and think about that. It is so amazing to me to think that the Spirit of God is in me and that he hovers over me. Think of the little mother hen. He hovers over me just like he did over the waters of the deep at creation. That's who he is, and that is what he does. Well, 
I don't know about you, but remember that ragtag group of uh, disciples in the upper room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same ones who said that they would follow Jesus no matter where he went. And the minute he was arrested, they scattered and went everywhere. Well, you know, these are the ones that were sitting there with no idea how to proceed. Fearful, frightened. Oh, my goodness. What, what are we doing here? And when the Holy Spirit came, these timid and confused people, men and women, were never the same. They became bold and inspired it tells us that that very day as Peter preached, 3,000 came to believe this message and the truth of it. Don't you want some of that? I mean, I do. I want some of that in my lives. And the key is I've got to avail myself to it every single day. And that's power refined. So if that's who the Spirit is, then what does he do? And as I thought about this, I thought, well, I love that definition of refinement, refine. What is it? Because I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. Re to reduce to a fine, unmixed, or pure state. To free from impurity. To free from dross or alloy. To separate from extraneous matter. Ugh. To purify as to refine gold or silver. To refine iron, wine, or sugar. So picture a refinery for me with just a moment. And envision these substances, whatever they are, going through a whole lot to get to the good stuff. To get down to the good stuff. we got to go through a lot. Whether it's heat, whether it's being fired up, whether it's whatever it is. And when I think of that in relation to the Holy Spirit, it really begins to make some sense to me. Okay, ultimately, he's in the business of refining me. And guess what? It's going to be messy. Just get prepared because that's part of the process. And he does it in so many ways. And so do not take my list to be extensive because it's not. But I want to give you six quick ways from our lesson that we looked at that I think he does it and kind of blow them out. I think the first thing he does is he prays for us as part of refinement. I don't know about you, but I find the thought of the Holy Spirit praying and interceding for me to be extremely comforting. Many times in my life, I haven't known what to pray or for myself or for others. And sometimes I just flat out pray stupid things like, oh, God, help me do well in this tennis match. I mean, good night. Who cares for crying out loud? It doesn't make any difference. In any event, we may not know exactly how we should pray or what we should do, but he does. He, we can have confidence that the Holy Spirit who knows us, who lives in here, inside of you, that he wants the will of God for you far more than you want it for yourself. And he is interceding, going before the throne of the Father for you. Is that not awesome? Romans 8, 27, he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then he purifies us. I think this happens before we initially enter into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then it happens ongoing throughout our life's journey because we are hopefully sinning less, but none of us sitting here is sinless. I know it. So I can be assured of that fact. But what I do know is that he is in the process of purifying it. He will help set us free from the sins that so easily entangle us, the ones we can't get rid of, the hurts, habits, and hang-ups we've all become very familiar with through our wonderful CR program. And then he provides teaching. And he helps us remember things now. The older I get, because I'm in my 50s, and some of you I know really well, and I look at you and I'm like, Hi! And I'm just standing there like, I 
know her really, really well, and I can't think of her name. I just can't remember things. I mean, what is the deal with that? I don't know, but I love it. I love that the Holy Spirit will help me. And you know, he really helps me remember. Maybe not your name, but he helps me remember the things that I need to know. And he, and he, and he teaches me. And sometimes there are things I, I need to be reminded of, but sometimes there are things I just don't understand in his word, in his ways. And he is there to be the best teacher ever. And in addition, he's our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, our guide, our strength, and I've given you all these verses. So, you know, look them up. We don't have time. And then he prompts us to speak, and he prompts us to witness. And you got to know that there are times when we get ourselves in, or when we didn't necessarily even get ourselves into, but when we find ourselves in precarious situations, when we need to step up and bear witness to truth, Maybe it's the truth or maybe it's truth, period, flat out. There you go. And you know what? He is the one who can enable us to do so. It can be so easy to get confused and to think that we need to be bolder for him and what we say and what we do. And you know what? I really don't think that's it at all. And matter of fact, what we need to do is get out of the way and let him lead us. Then we won't say the wrong thing. I think when I think I need to be bold, I'm just about to maybe say something I shouldn't say. And so I need to like back off the boldness a little bit. And I need to instead be timid, and or not timid, um, I need, that's the wrong word. I, I need to be a follower. I need to be led. I need to go, God, what do you want me to say here? Because I can feel my heart, and it's just doing this, and I'm thinking I need to say something, and I need to be bold, and what is it? And listen, listen. What's he calling you to say? And just do that. And then he continues throughout our lives to draw us as believers closer and closer to him. And when there's been movement, it's, it's not him that moved. He's in here. He didn't move. It's us that kind of draws away, and he woos um, just like a great lover to come back, come back into relationship with me. And then he presents us as his children. This is so beautiful. It is through his spirit that we are, that he brings us into adoption. And I love that here at Watermark we have so many families who are living out adoption, living examples of this, because it's a beautiful part of the picture of what God does and what the Holy Spirit does. And this is way better relationship than one that's based on performance. Many of us grew up in homes where we had to perform a certain way or where we were fearful and we were bound by fear or where we have been bound by slavery, whether to sin or whatever. And this is a relationship that supersedes all of those. The Spirit, you can rest assured, brings you life. And he brings you freedom. And this is a great message for the world that is dying and that needs the hope that Jesus Christ brings through his, his spirit. And then lastly, he passes out gifts. Ah, oh, they're commonly called spiritual gifts. We've talked about them. You know that we've got a little form where you can fill it out and find that they're, they're unique and their purpose is for building up the body and that each of us has something um, to offer uh, the body because of what the Spirit has done in us. It's a beautiful thing. And then the last thing that he does again is he aligns us. Since God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness, then we've just got to learn to live empowered by what we've already got. As I've said before, this is so counterintuitive. It's not at all like you think it should be or the way it should be. And again, what it is, is it is when I am weak, then you are strong. When I look like a fool, there is wisdom that is found. I just, I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense to my brain. And I'm like, but wait, I'm supposed to be this 
saint, right? I mean, you called us into sainthood, and he did, and he's taken us there. But baby, we've all got stuff. And you know what? we got to deal with that. And the quicker and sooner we are real with that, the deeper we're going to come and the more unleashed his power is going to be in us. I'm certain of it. So what then are some of the things I think that, um, that get us out of alignment? And I just, as, I, as we talk about this concept, I, I couldn't help but think about um, a car. <laughs> I know this is so silly, but um, cars get out of alignment. Now, all cars have tires. And whether they are in line or not, it, it, it will affect greatly the, the ride. And when a car is out of alignment, it pulls to the left or it pulls to the right. If you take your hands off your car, it kind of work over like this. And, and it just generally is a rough ride. And if you do not get your wheels back into alignment, then you wear flat wear out your tires. And when you wear out your tires, eventually you are going to have a blowout. And you know what? I think that is a great illustration for us spiritually, that when we are in line, lined up with God's will, when we are operating in his power, then we look different than the rest of the world. We uh, give off a beautiful aroma. We respond to the things that happen in our life, to the stresses and strains with grace and poise, with gentleness. We're not riled by how unfair things seem to be in our life or someone else's. So what are some of the obstacles that get in our way that keep us from aligning with God. I th- I'm only going to touch on two. And I've talked about them before. You're going to go like, would she quit beating a dead horse? But I, I just they're so prevalent, obviously, in my life that I'm going to throw them up there. And the first is comfort. Maybe you're too safe where you are today. Je- since Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comfort, he said, it's better that I go away and that I leave you, I, you know, the comforter. Since he said this, then I want you to just think of a simple question. I want you to answer this question for for me. Why would we need a comforter if our lives were already comfortable? You don't need a comforter, comforter if you're comfortable. You need a comforter when you are uncomfortable. Think about it. I mean, that's so simple. I was like, wow, that is so simple. But I like to stay in my box where it's neat. And I want you to look at me a certain way and think of me a certain way. And I don't want to get outside and show you all my warts and ugly spots. Because that's not comfortable. Well, I'm tired of that. The truth is the more I'm in tune with God, the tougher sometimes things get in my life. So, man, if it's tough for you, be encouraged. Because it shows that God is in you, refining you. Here's what it says in Philippians 1.20. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And then the second thing I think that gets in the way is volume. Maybe your life is just too darn loud. We women are such great multitaskers. We can do everything. How many of us can talk on the phone, answer emails while checking our Facebook and posting on someone else's wall along with playing we with our kids all at the same time? Perhaps it is today our lack of intimacy with the Father. Perhaps that lack of intimacy is actually due to the fact that we can't unplug ourselves from this technological world that we find ourselves thrust into. We can't communicate with him. We can't even hear him because we are so busy doing all these other things. 
in the craziness of our world, it takes tremendous effort, for me anyway, to practice listening to God, to practice the presence of God in my life. We got to do it. And I think we can do it in two ways, like Jesus. Look at Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. How long since you've done that? Be still, Psalm 46.10, and know that I am God. So if these are things that get in the way, then how do we know if he's operating like he should? What's the evidence of his spirit at work in us? I think two things. I think we are moved by him and we are mastered by him. That's how we know. And let me just briefly talk to you about that, moved by. I want to just, again, ask you some questions. When was the last time you were kept from going somewhere or doing something or saying something? Or... When you went toward or said something that you never would have said because of the Holy Spirit's direction. Okay, when were you kept from doing something or when were you directed to do something that you didn't want to do because of the Holy Spirit's direction? Well, let me tell you, that's what happened in the early church. That's what happened in the first century church. That's what they did. Look at Paul and his companions in Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. How long has it been since you've been kept from or directed toward doing something? Because look at Jesus. And we studied his temptation. And how did he get to the wilderness? What, what did it say? Somebody help me remember. What did it say? That... Who directed him there? The Spirit took him to that place. Now, it doesn't say the Spirit tempted him, but the Spirit directed him to that spot, moved him there. Are you being moved by the Spirit today? And then mastered by, when you are operating in submission to this Spirit and under the direction of him, then you will be different. You will look different than the rest of the world, and you will do things that will make no sense the rest of the world and as I prayed over this lesson as to what to say I really struggled all week long I talked to my friends talked to Tony I'm like oh this is so hard and, and this morning again as I told you I was awakened and I was awakened because he was moving me to speak and to talk to you a little bit more about my life and to tell you the rest as Paul Harvey would say of the story and it's not a story that hasn't been told at Watermark. I told it if you're a CR person, you've heard it several years ago, probably five or six years ago. But I want to tell it to you this morning. And the reason I want to tell you is because I believe deeply that some women in this room, someone here, is bound right now by guilt, by shame, by the darkness. I don't know what it is that is binding you, but I am certain of it that you are sitting here and that you have been quenching the spirit for too long now. And I think he's calling us to be the kind of women that give it up, lay it down, and come into the light. I don't know, maybe you've been playing it safe for so long and you've been looking good and you know what? Give it up. Man, I just want to give that up. I'm just tired of that. And so... <clears throat> That's what I want to talk to you about. And Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we are called out of the dark and that we are called into the light. Um, 
Many of you know parts of my story, but again, you don't know the rest of the story. And um, I came to Christ early in life and um, really didn't struggle, didn't have a lot of struggles until I got married. And oh my goodness, that sacred romance thing about God called you to be wholly not happy was oh so true in my early married life. And there's nothing like the friction of two people coming together as one that will purify you like nothing else. But you see, for several years in the early years of my marriage, I, I was struggling. I was lonely. I was hopeless. I felt helpless. I felt isolated. And you know, when you feel that long enough, pretty soon you begin, there's this little thing and it takes root in your heart and it's called bitterness and it's ugly and it takes heart and it will take you to do things that you never intended to do. And it was during, what, what you don't know about the rest of the story, that it was during these darkest days that I made a terrible decision and I committed adultery. Yeah, it's really ugly. And then I stuffed it in the closet, and I swore I would never tell anyone what I had done. Because I was a believer, and I knew better. And so for 15 years, I hid that away really nicely. And then, dang it, watermark started. <laughs> and that's just a terrible thing. <laughs> it's a terribly great thing. Um, because at the first leadership conference, uh, Todd, there were only about 200 of us there. And he taught on out of First Chronicles. And it was the sin of Achan who had hidden something away. And he said, you know what? You're leaders today, but you cannot lead this body if you have hidden something away. The Holy Spirit fell so deeply on me. I could not even get up out of my chair and make it to my room. I was sobbing uncontrollably as God called me out of the darkness. And as I poured the story out to my husband, I came into the light for the first time in my life during those 15 years. He showed up and he pulled me out of the dark. And I've gone on and I've told that story, but Still, there's some of you I've never told the story to, and just again, I want to, you know, the package to look pretty and right, and the Elizabeth's package lesson, it's, man, and what I know is many of you are sitting here, and you have been bound by the same thing. Guilt and shame are ugly, ugly. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit wants to call you out of the darkness. He wants to bring you into the light. He wants you to stand free and be loosed from whatever it is that's got its hold on you. I want you to quit caring today about what other people think more than what God thinks. And I want you to care only right now about what he thinks. And so as we close, I want you to just bow your head with me. And the beauty of it is many of you are sitting in this room and you too were bound by something. But I know you, I know your stories, and I know you have been set free. And so as I go into this last prayer, I would love for you to stand to your feet if you have been bound by guilt and shame or anything in the dark that has held you. I would love for you as I pray 
to stand to your feet, and I would love for you in the quietness of your own heart to begin to pray over the women sitting around you. And I'm really, you know, we're all about carefully monitoring the Holy Spirit. Well, I would love to see him loose in a way that he has never been loose before today. I want us to be set free. We can't be the women God called us to be if we don't rise up and allow him to do what he's calling us to do. So come out, woman, be loosed. And so right now as I pray, if you're free, stand up to your feet and just begin to pray silently in your heart as I pray over those women. And then, and then if you need to talk to someone, if there's something you've never told anyone, I'd like those that stood to your feet to just come to the front and be with me and be ready to pray over anybody who needs it. Because today I don't want you to leave this place until you are free. The Spirit has come and he has set you free. Now be free indeed, Father. I just come to you and I just thank you. I can't believe I said that without totally falling apart. Thank you so much for your spirit that is living and active. Holy Spirit, come descend on this place like never before. I ask you to deliver us from the power of darkness and whatever has been hiding and that we have never told. I pray right now that your spirit will not let up. Whoever this woman is, wherever they are, come upon them right now and do not let them move until you have set them free. We want more of, for you to have more of us, not more of you. We want you to have all of us open the door of that closet that's been hiding and set us free from anger, from pride. Maybe it's self-righteousness. Maybe like in Luke 18 where the Pharisees were praying with the tax collector. You've been the woman who stood there in your high and mighty way and have said, well, thank you, God, that I am not like her. Lay it down. Confess it and let him deliver you today from yourself. And let him set you free to do great and mighty things. And it's in your precious, precious name that we pray, amen. And if you will just quietly leave, but those of you that would love to be available to pray, if you would just come forward, and if you need us to pray over you, stay where you are, and we will come to you.